Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, we are continuing our internal MCFA DOD to AEC interview uh, cohort here. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome to the show Tom Kramer. Tom, same last name as me, there is a relation, is my brother. Uh, joined us a few years ago uh, and wears a few hats here. I'm sure we'll get into it. He is, he is both the director of our um, business office and also is a project manager supporting both our healthcare and our federal DOD lab business, uh, and recently just got his master's degree. So Tom, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How's it going? It's great. Uh, so Tom, we start every podcast with giving people a little bit of a, of a look into your background uh, as far back as makes sense to you. I think we should at least cover... Uh, Coast Guard Academy, and uh, and how you landed here at MCFA. So, take the the floor is yours. Yep. Sounds good. Yep, we'll uh, leave the early years out so I don't embarrass you too much. But uh, started actually graduated high school and went to the Naval Academy Prep School. So spent a year up in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, where I earned my ex uh, appointment to the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, attended the Coast Guard Academy, graduated 2010 uh, with a bachelor's in management. Quick, and then, quick, quick in, you know, interjection here. Just because he went to Naval Academy Prep School, he is an Army fan. Go Army, beat Navy. I just want to be completely clear. Floors back to you. Yes. Um, yes, when I graduated the Coast Guard Academy, I was assigned to onboard a Coast Guard Cutter Dependable. It's a 210-foot uh cutter that I was the deck watch officer, which is primarily I was in charge of navigation and quote driving the ship. Uh, but I also wore a few hats on board as the command information combat officer, as well as the personnel officer. So training officer, uh, personnel development and uh, um, morale basically. Following my tour on Dependable, I was assigned to the U.S. Coast Guard JAG office at headquarters in Washington, D.C. JAG is the Judge Advocate General, uh, basically the law firm for the Coast Guard. Um, I was the planning and budget officer there, where I spent three years uh, managing their execution budget. Uh, pretty interesting because I was doing it. I was there during sequestration and a lot of financial continuing resolutions were going on. Uh, for my first two years there. Uh, when I exited the Coast Guard in 2015, I was lucky enough to uh, join or make a connection through the Academy Network. A West Point grad was asking questions on a post and BJ sent my name or sent me the post and I called and got linked into the produce industry, uh, working for one of the largest avocado distribution uh, companies which was fun. So, so give, us, give us a little bit of appreciation for 
for one, the role and mission of of that company and, and the complexity of the uh, supply chain and, and what all your responsibilities were? Yes. Yeah, so at Mission, I started out as an efficiency officer, kind of how the warehouse was working. Um, but as a global scale, avocados are either picked and packaged at um, Mex- New Mexico or Mexico, uh, Colombia, Peru, California, and then sent to a packing facility that then sent out to distribution centers. So I was working at a, the New Jersey distribution center for uh, mission where I first started as efficiency, then took over as operational manager for the facility, managing the quality, the packing, as well as the shipping uh, from that facility. Um, really, it's a unique dynamic because you're working with not only the truck distribution side that is either private or company owned, but you're also working internally with your forklift uh, driving loading team, as well as a packaging hourly seasonal uh, crew. Um, so there's a lot of different personnel personalities and personnel issues you run into that. Um, as well as working with a perishable commodity, there's a lot of stress, a lot of high tension um, within getting it moved, getting it out, getting it in long hours, late nights of waiting on trucks or yelling at distri- uh, distribution uh, schedulers to get their people in and them basically telling you, oh, yeah, he's right around the corner. When you talk to them direct, they're like, oh, yeah, I was on 95 for three hours. It's like, hmm. So for all our listeners, fun fact, Tom doesn't even like avocados. And two, it's not just as easy as going to your uh, Chipotle and getting your guacamole made for you. All right, Tom, from there, from Mission Produce, Uh, what do we do? So from Mission Produce, there was a little bit of a management change there that uh, differing opinions of how things should be ran. Uh, I left there and was on a slight hiatus. Uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, started getting into real estate, took my courses in that to get my realtor license, as well as start working, uh, uh, talking with BJ and Michael from MCFA, uh, really didn't know where I really wanted to direct my attention or my energy. Uh, so started working part-time, part in real estate and part with MCFA and supporting some of the back office as well as getting exposed to projects. Um, I believe in 2018, uh, the fall of 2018, I'm actually just past my anniversary uh, with MCFA that I started working on actual projects, worked in the Navy yard for an uh, energy infrastructure project, um, which was interesting that I was part construction manager, part project manager, uh, assisting the main uh, program there, um, and then as years as my year went on with MCFA and new projects came across, I just we just recently or I just recently really got deep into the facility asset management asset op- optimization with a lot of the different um, facility assessments and facility condition assessments we've been doing. And it's just continuously opening new opportunities uh, for supporting different missions and different programs in their facility conditions. Tom, talk to us about your construction management degree. 
So I returned when I was doing the construction management side with MCFA, I felt I needed a little bit more in-depth technical knowledge. So I returned to school with Drexel University, where I started in 2020, the end of 2020, I started uh, for my construct my master's in construction management with a focus in construction and project management. Um, really, that program took me through the technical, but a lot of my on-the-job experience really read back into the different discussions, the different topics we were talking about. It just reinforced a lot of the things I had already seen or done and just kind of increased that level of confirmation of that's how it should be done on a job site or that's the right leadership practice to be doing on a project site and how to handle it and how safety should be ran, as well as a little bit of exposure into equipment and um, kind of equipment and people management in a construction project. So to our listeners, especially those transitioning from, from the military, I, I want to highlight a few things here um, because Tom's a, a great example. I don't give out uh, compliments uh, easily at MCFA and I really don't give them out to Tom easily, but he's a shining example of somebody who took an opportunity, took initiative uh, it's kind of like I, I, I'll make the comparison of your dad coaching your sports team, uh, kind of a higher level of expectation. And I tell him that, like, yeah, you, you don't have to prove it to me. You have to prove it to the team because I'm not I'm not going to fight for you. You got to fight for yourself. And he did that. And he's become, you know, a reliable project linebacker. Um, but the big thing I want to point out is the first job out of the military, leverage your network. and and go somewhere and and learn and figure out what you like, what you don't like. I think too many of us take the uniform off and we're hoping that like, just like the military was this, you know, three, five, seven, 10, 20 year commitment, 30 year commitment and career path, that that's what the next thing is. But what you don't realize inside of the DOD is that it wasn't really a three, five, 20, 30 year career path. It was this string of different opportunities inside of a large organization, but your jobs were changing all the time. So while the DOD has this safety net and, and you feel comfortable that you're on a path and you're always moving forward, you really are jumping around and you're likely to jump around a little bit when you transition from the military into the private sector, because you just don't have it to, you don't have anything to compare it to inside of the private sector. So that's the first thing I want to do. Second thing is Tom leveraged the, uh, the post, uh, post 9-11 GI bill, GI bill. Uh, right? Drexel has a yellow ribbon program. That's what it's called. Yes. Um, yes. Their yellow ribbon program, they support beyond what the GI Bill will cover is basically how they. Exactly. So what, what I want to highlight there is uh, Tom's been through it. He's been through it at Drexel. We are trying to help other veterans uh, navigate that transition. If you're interested in the construction management world, uh, get in touch with us. We'll put you in touch with Tom or Jesse Gemerlin Johnson. Uh, to talk through, you know, what are some of the options? How can we help you? The further out you are from transitioning, the more we'll be able to help you uh, because it just gives us some of that timeline uh, to to get in front of the opportunities and maybe even get you enrolled in some night school to start building that education while you're still on active duty. Um, I think that's all I want to hit here, Tom. Talk to me 
All right, you, you've been you've been dabbling in projects. Tom's Tom's like I said, a project linebacker, uh, not really afraid to learn on the job. Um, has has kind of this diverse experience and and diverse um, curiosity. Talk to us about some of the project or leadership challenges that you've you've had over the last four years, and and any you know lesson highlights that you can share with the audience. Yeah, I think the biggest. Um, it will fall under the facility condition or the facility asset optimization that we kind of are calling that practice is supporting these programs and having everybody buy in to the effort. Um, I almost look at it as you, you almost feel like a nuisance, but if you have a program that has big problems within their facilities, their ground floor uh, users are very quick to like throw you every list odd and end that you have. Whereas the higher levels probably like, ah, we don't have a problem there. It's no issue. But if you get down to the ground floor level, you find out all the, you see all the bads, the good, the bad and the ugly of a facility. Um, so I think that's very important. And that's a challenge is to when you're talking to the senior leaders, it's saying, Hey, we need to get on the ground to ground truth. What is really the problem? What is the errors? What are the, what are the headaches that people are running into on a daily basis? Because on the high, I look at it as when you're on the higher end of the, the rank, you're not paying, you are paying attention to it, but you're not getting to see it real time. So it's almost, you sometimes want to say, Hey, let's go do a walk of a facility. And their eyes start going, Oh, I didn't know, <laughs> you know, that it's, it's sometimes you don't want to say that you've never seen that, or you don't know that, but coming from the Coast Guard side, my Coast Guard experience really delved into that because you had material, material inspections. You did shipboard inspections every other week to make sure that the ship was staying together and coming, you know, wasn't rusting through or there weren't issues that could create an even more catastrophic issue. Yeah. So, and I I, I want to hit that because I, I think it is, you know, a lot of our clients are, you know, that they're senior leaders inside of large enterprises, organizations, and they have a ton of assets. And this, this could be healthcare. This could be the army reserve that has facilities everywhere. Um, it, it could be, you know, any number of DOD or, or DOT or, or port authority agencies. Um, you, the further up the chain you go, the more, uh, the further away from from like the details you may get, and you're you're relying on upward reporting. Um, but I, I think Tom's experience is is a good point because there's there's a big difference between what's being talked about in the boardroom and what's actually happening in the boiler room. And when we go into those boiler rooms and we hear from the wrench turners, you know what the headaches are and what they're trying to do and what support they're not getting and what resources they do need and what proactive approaches they've tried to take, you really get a lot of information and, and you see where those disconnects are. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great lesson learned. Um, and, and I think it's, uh, it's a reminder that, you know, you got to check the checker, um, people respect what you inspect and, and you really gotta, you gotta be walking the halls and, and figuring out what the ground truth is. Uh, anything else you want to hit on there, Tom? Uh, so I think adding to that, the challenge to the assessments is painting the picture the right way and presenting it to senior leadership. 
to help them. Like I said, you could take them walk through a building, but they don't have, they might not have time. They may only have that hour meeting when they meet with the facility team that you have to lay it out in a nice presentation that it gets added to that weekly call that they highlight you on one slide. But when we've gotten feedback that that one slide could stop the meeting. And that's what kind of impact you want on a facility is to say, Hey, we need to open our eyes and we need to start taking care of this stuff. And so it's, it's huge. Uh, like, so what, what Tom's talking about here is, is the art of communication and storytelling and, and, you know, go, go to the formal version of that in a command brief, go to an informal version of that in any other, you know, um, situation, but it, it's being able to tell the story in such a compelling way that you get attention on the issue. So engineers, it's not just about calculating, um, architects, it's not just about designing beautiful buildings, but it's really understanding the mission critical, uh, intent of whatever the objective is and, and whatever the issue is and, and telling it in such a way that you understand the nuances of how decisions are made, whether that's underwriting risk, getting financial support, uh, creating or optimizing a situation, uh, you really have to understand the decision maker, how they think and how you communicate to the way they think to get the right amount of attention. Because there's a lot of initiatives out there collecting data and collecting pictures and collecting whatever. Uh, but it's really, what do you do with it after, after you've collected it? Um, and that's really the success of a program is not in, not in gathering the information. It's in translating that information into decisions and then implementing those decisions to improve the situation. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. Tom, talk to us about any... Uh, any, I, you're, you're very active. I know you have three kids, so you probably aren't too involved in, uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to tell a quick story here. Tom and I are walking, walking, uh, back to the office the other day and we, we don't rehearse these things. Everybody knows that I, I'm kind of off the cuff here. Uh, but I'm like, you know, what do you, how's it feel to be done school? He just finished this master's program, you know, two weeks ago. He's like, oh, I got all this time on my hands at night now. I got to find something to fill it up with. And I'm like, don't, don't fill it up. Just enjoy having a little time, like start cooking, you know, dabbling in cooking dinners or something. Just take a breather and then, and then reassess. Um, but I say that anything you want to hit on outside of the office that you're uh, involved in or passionate about. <sighs> I, I was thinking about this yesterday when I, I was thinking through my response to this current event or current pot. Like I, I, since I'm just coming off of my master's program, my head's kind of been in that game for every night for the past two years. So really what I'm involved in is my kids and my family and seeing them. So we're in soccer, we're in soccer season right now, you know, family sports, you get to see and see your kids develop into pretty unique individuals. My daughter just started kindergarten. So that even is more interesting. And 
the personalities of the other two coming out. Um, so, yeah. so, um, so here's my, here's my, my, <laughs> I, my rant is usually people need to get out and volunteer, but there's a, there's a, there's a group of people that have kids. I'm going to call it zero to 12. I think once they're teenagers, they start, you know, they start needing you a little less. Um, so I think before you have kids, you should volunteer everywhere you can. And then after you're done raising kids, you should volunteer everywhere you can. But the, the, my favorite, uh, saint, mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I think that if you are raising kids between the ages of zero and 12, your volunteer work is at home. And if your husband, go help your wife. If your wife, go help your husband. We've got demanding careers. I'm, I'm not pushing on you people to, to volunteer. You know, once you get in a battle rhythm, you might want to dabble in something, but don't take on a leadership position until you really know you have the, the bandwidth uh, because it's it's a lot. All right. Rant over. Tom, favorite quotes? <laughs> um, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, and I say it all the time, but I usually just use the short version is being a jack of all trades is, uh, but a master of none, but often better than, than a master of one. I just think I believe myself as a jack of all trades. I like to take on different opportunities, different ideas. I do a lot of stuff around my own house. Um, but I think society as a whole doesn't think that way. They get very focused on specializing or hyper-focused on one thing. As we've discussed before, sports is a lot like that. Uh, kids try to get into one sport and they almost hyper-focus into that. It's try to let them try it all. My daughter's tried soccer, dance, gymnastics, wants to start karate. It's like, sure, let's see what happens. Just don't kick any of your siblings. Um, so that that's why that quote kind of speaks to me is uh, you should try to become a jack of all trades is because it'll make, it'll round you out. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you a more experienced person. Uh, I'm going to hit a book yeah. here because I can. Daniel Pink, uh, a whole new mind. Why right brain, why right brainers will rule the future. So I think that, you know, that's the, the jack of all trades, or at least the curiosity of, of trying different things and getting exposed to different problem sets. There's a cross pollination that, that happens. Uh, and I think he talks about that. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, speaking of books, must read book. So I'm not much of a reader. Uh, I only read when I needed to for school usually. Uh, so I will take that as a must read book, as a must see show. All right. Um, I know uh, is, uh, and we've talked about it is Ted Lasso. It is probably one of the best leadership coaching teaching shows. It'll make you laugh, but it will also make you like stop and think. Like I paused a couple episodes of just being like, what did he just say? And I watching it and him coming in, I was like, this guy's going to have a really weird, unique way to get his team going. Cause as they introduced, introduced him, he took a small town football team and now he's trying to take a failing soccer team. It's like, it, I don't know. It just spoke to me. It speaks to me. Right. I can't wait for the next season to come out. Dead or alive. If you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be? What would you do? So, I want to preface this question. Is it 
each individually during the day or are we combining all three of them into the day? Uh, the, uh, the creativity <laughs> is all yours. Because yeah. it, it would be unique if we brought these three people into the same place at once. Um, That's what I would do. So go ahead. So, so the first one is Chris Farley. Uh, we grew up watching his shows. He's a physical comedian. So I just think spending a day with him would probably, I probably wouldn't be able to breathe after it laughing at him so much. Um, second is Jason Kelsey. Again, a physical presence have not gotten to meet him. Would love to meet him. I know he's like almost a gentle giant from everybody that's ever met him. Like he's very well spoken, very well versed experience wise, background musician, all of that. Um, and then the last is our grandfather, uh, Poppy he died when I was young, never got to really get to know him, was lucky, lucky to get to know our other three grandparents. But again, raising eight kids, he's probably a force to be reckoned with. So it'd be interesting to see how he reacts to hanging out with those two gentlemen <laughs> uh, and just picking his brain, getting to know him more and understand his past and, uh, but yeah. All right, I, I'm. I gotta hit another uh, show note here because Jason Kelsey just just launched something. I think it's called Underdog. Yeah. So, all right, Jason Kelsey is launching on October second. Underdog Phil P H L. Uh, underdog underscore Phil P H L is the uh, Instagram account. Um, and they are. Underdog is committed to building a tribe of people who want to see a better future for the next generation. I want the city of Philadelphia to know that I believe in it and our young people to know that we believe in them. Together, I know we can make a difference, and this is only just the beginning. It's time to show the world what underdogs are really made of. It's time to run faster. A hung Signed, a hungry dog, Jason Kelsey. We'll put that in the show notes for anybody who wants to uh, check that out. Uh, this this sh- this. Uh, show will probably launch right after that. So cool. All right. Legacy, Tom, what do you want on your tombstone? How do you want to be remembered? So I always say my legacy on my tombstone, I just wanted to say great father, great son, great husband, great, you know, brother. I just want to leave a legacy of positivity and that I was a family man and took care of my family and took care of everyone around me, uh, friends and family. Um, but yeah, Awesome. Uh, so I am hard on him. Uh, he is my brother, but Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to meet with us today and, uh, for sharing your DOD or actually DHS to AEC story. Uh, Tom Kramer. Thanks. Hey everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to inspiring people and places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.